Welcome to the Focus and Chill podcast, where we discuss sustainable productivity and habit formation while avoiding the allure of hustle culture. Every episode, we interview guests who have got a solid habit and productivity game. We're your hosts, Joey. Hi. And Jeremy. He's Jeremy. Joey's a published author. I'm self-published, though. Has a background in psychology. Not registered, though. Has a deep interest in humans. Only some of humans. And a strong interest in habits and connections specifically. Oh, that's true. And Jeremy is a software developer with ADHD. And when he's not trying to come up with ways to stop himself burning rice, he enjoys doing a three-hour morning routine and surprising colleagues by doing sets of push-ups during meetings to keep the energy high. The Focus and Chill podcast is brought to you by Focus Bear, a habit and productivity app that makes healthy habits and deep work the path of least resistance. If you have a tendency to check emails or scroll through Instagram first thing in the morning, but long to develop a meditation and exercise habit first thing, Focus Bear can help you. The app blocks distractions on all your devices and guides you through your habits one at a time. Throughout the day, Focus Bear assists you to stay in deep work by blocking websites and apps that are unrelated to your chosen focus mode. Life's not all about work though. You'll be prompted to take regular breaks to rest your eyes and stretch your muscles. At the end of the day, Focus Bear helps you switch off. Work-related apps get hidden so you can unwind and sleep well. Check out the app by going to focusbear.io. Welcome to episode number seven of the Focus and Chill podcast. This episode, we're lucky to have with us today Rafi Prince Nadwani, who is the black sheep of a family of performers. He's worked in marketing operations for over seven years and is passionate about helping people bring their business ideas to life with productivity coaching. In his spare time, he teaches acro yoga, he snorkels, makes gigantic soap bubbles, and we've just heard he likes jumping off cliffs as well. Rafi, great to have you on the show. Thanks so much for uh, having me. Yeah, welcome, Rafi. Uh, I'm curious, um, what projects are you concentrating on during your focused hours? Yeah, concentration is a, is a strong word. Um, so I, like many people, are, I, I think, um, I forget the, the woman who coined it, multi-passionate. So I have many ideas. Um, I should mention I've also, I'm a juggler. Um, so I like to use that analogy of like, you know, <laughs> I love juggling at least a minimum of three balls at a time or three projects at a time because it keeps my interest. And if I just did the one focus thing. Um, but what am I doing right now is so I have a full-time job in marketing operations. I've been doing that for about seven years. I just switched companies. And then outside of that, I am working on a couple of side projects. One is the productivity and confidence coaching. The other one is kind of related to my job. It's um, the next iteration of buying software. Um, just because I do a lot for my work, I'm, I'm trying to do kind of like a paradigm shift where you don't have to go find software, software finds you. So how do you, in terms of making those different multi-passions combined together, how do you structure your work week or your, your week in general? Is it that you've got your full-time job and then you work on the, the coaching in terms of the, it's an e-learning course for that one? Yep. So I have an online recorded version of the course and I also have a wait list for the uh, live version of that. Um, so as far as like how do I structure my day, obviously my my day job takes up the bulk of it and that's pretty, you know, set in stone as far as the hours, you know. And outside of that, um, I take a little bit more organic approach. I think a lot of people who 
um, focus on success or habits or things like that. They're always like, at nine o'clock, I'm always going to be, you know, geared and ready to, to do productive things. Or at 6 a.m., I'm going to get up and exercise. And I think those kind of things are helpful for some people. But I think others like myself take more organic approach where I just need to get it done during the day and there's no set time, right? Um, for me, I think productivity tools are, you know, just like a hammer. You want to use it when you have a nail and a screwdriver when you have a screw. You don't want to use a hammer on a screw because like, yeah, you can get the results in, but like it's going to be messy and painful. Mm. In terms of the organic approach, is that based on how you're feeling that day in terms of more of an energy management approach rather than time management or what? So, how do you decide? Yeah, um, it's partially energy uh, management. So I mapped out my energy levels um, every hour on the hour for two weeks. And then I was able to see when I was most active and when I was like most tired. Right. And there was actually like two peaks during my day for that small, you know, window of time that I, I recorded it. Um, so I'm able to kind of, depending on my, my workload at my day job, adjust when I want to get more mental tasks done. Right. But as far as like when I'm deciding to do what, it's more about kind of like the, the, the pressure up. So like I could wait until like midnight and then get my stuff done. Right. Because I feel like, Oh, I have no time left to do. So it's, it's more about like what is the cost of doing it now versus later that day, you know, cause like for energy, depending on the task, I might be really motivated to do it or I might be exhausted. And it's, you know, I just play a little mental game of like, Hey, I could do it now. And then I could like loaf off for the next hour or whatever it is. Right. So hopefully that, that explains it. Yeah. No, the, the chronobiology part would be quite interesting because we had a, a guest on the show two episodes ago who was talking about a similar kind of chronotype idea. And you've been able to measure that directly. We'd, I'd be curious about knowing when those peaks were. If you imagine it's different for everyone, but that process of measuring it and identifying the peak sounds valuable. Yeah. So, I mean, like anyone can do it if you, <laughs> if you really want, right? Cause I just set a timer on my, my, um, my phone to go off every hour. And then every hour I would just like put in a number one through three, right? You know, three being most active, one being the least active or things like that, right? Um, you could do like a seven point scale. It doesn't matter. For me, it was uh, around 10 to 11 or uh, 11 to 12. It kind of like fluctuated, but it was around those two hours. And then again, around four to five or five to six, right? It kind of like, and it, it changed based on the day. So like if you average it out, it was kind of like those two hour blocks. Um, but the later time was less than the morning time, right? So I was most active in the morning. And I was slightly more active in the afternoon, but not as much. Interesting. So it's sort of, you would get to work and the first hour you'd maybe do more administrative tasks and then you, you start having more of a, a surge in energy and you can tackle those really difficult tasks at that point. And then is the, the peak in energy at 5 to 6 p.m. because you're leaving work at that time? Is that why you feel more active? It could be. I mean, I think it's just like a recovery time. So like two o'clock, like one to two o'clock is like right after a meal time. And so like everyone kind of like, you know, the blood sugar drops, everyone's like trying to digest. So I think it has to do with more like um, our natural like body rhythms than whether or not I'm leaving work. I'm like, yeah, get out of here. <laughs> that kind of mentality. If your employer is listening to the podcast, you love your job, right? Yeah. <laughs>
So we probably we heard a bit about optimizing productivity in that one as well. Maybe, Joey, do you want to ask him more about the acro yoga and the jumping off cliffs and soap bubbles and things like that? Yeah, like it, is the acro is the acro yoga like is that something you do to unwind or is it something you do to wind yourself up or is it a is it, <laughs> tell me tell me more how that how that fits into your um into your day? Yeah, so it's uh it's a way I can connect with other people. So like I often get lost in either my work because it's very heady, right? You have to figure out workflow systems, integrations and stuff like that, right? And yeah, I have to deal with some people, but most of the time I'm just in my head, right? And then when I'm working on my ideas, you know, because I'm a solo entrepreneur at the moment, again, I'm still in my head, right? You know, I am not going to like talk to the freelancers who are you know, 12 hours different from me <laughs> to say, Hey, what do you think about this idea? You know, let's, let's chat about it. You're right. It's just not, not there yet. Um, so Acroyoga is a, a, a way to connect. Um, and like, you know, I have a desk job, so like it's a way for me to move. Um, but I, I do a, a lot of the, the things that you would expect in Hawaii, like hiking, snorkeling, swimming, you know, surfing, all that stuff, like a, any physical thing. Um, but for me, Acroyoga is just a playful way of, um, physical, physical exploration. So like it's a very, var- uh, variety of like movement, right? So I, I like that. Yeah, it sounds like a great way to, to I guess, if you do it in the afternoon, it's a great way to, like, um, relax your muscles after you've been, like, uh, hunched over a desk. Well, no, I'm not emphasizing, I'm not um, assuming that you that you hunch. I know I do. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and I guess if you, I'm not... Um, I didn't. I didn't catch whether you do it in the mornings or the evenings, but like, I guess if you do it in the morning, it's a great way to start the day as well. So it's, and even in the middle of the day, it'll be pretty cool. So yeah, acro yoga all around, hey? There we go. Yeah. Uh, eventually, I would love to have the flexibility, um, but my day job kind of like blocks a lot of yeah, that out. I can imagine. So, but I do it in the the evenings after work. Yeah, sounds like a good time to do it. Uh, like in terms of the rest of your off time, uh, how do you how do you like to? How else do you like to unwind? Yeah. So if I'm not working on my, my projects, which take, you know, a lot of my off time, or, um, I usually read a lot of like web comics. And then, um, I've recently been watching some TV series. So I just watched, um, what's it called? Where they, they split their mind, um, severance. So that's uh, the most recent one I watched. How about I do a lot of comics, which, Oh, sorry. Yeah, continue with the cooking. I was curious about the web comics as well. Which ones you like there? Oh, I, I could say I have a lot. Um, I could send you a list. It's it's well over a hundred and like forty right now. But I I look at at least uh, twelve regularly on a weekly basis. But yeah, there's some like I've been uh, reading for over a decade, like Sluggy Freelance, Dominic Vegan, or the the most latest one that he's doing. Um, yeah, there's a whole bunch. Sometimes I read XKCD, if you're familiar with those, like the long standing ones. Least I could do is also like a long one. Girl Genius. Yeah, I I could go on. (laughs) I got, I got a lot. Dogmatic vegan sounds fun. With the cooking, are you vegan yourself if you're reading that comic? Uh, I am a vegetarian. Hmm. What type of vegetarian meals do you like to cook? Yeah, all types. Um, for me, I love exploring new food. So I will have, I'll pick a cuisine that I know what tastes like, but I'll pick recipes, like half the recipes I've had before and the half I have never had. 
So French, Italian, Mexican, you know, Habesha, and, you know, Japanese, Thai, you know, Vietnamese, whatever it is, right? Um, I think I've done like 12 so far. I'll invite a couple friends over who I know like to cook with me. Um, and then we'll just like make, make a feast, right? And it's either you get food poisoning or it kind of tastes pretty good. Like it's everywhere in between. So it's a good way of, you know, connecting with friends and also trying something that you would never usually get, you know, unless you go to the native, uh, the country, right? Yeah, nice. Oh, not sure whether I'm excited about that idea or scared, <laughs> but it, it sounds like it could go well. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're probably getting the, the theme here is that I like doing new things, right? Mm. And it's less about, you know, like the juggling or the acroyoga or, you know, the, the business ideas or things like that. It's more about like, how do I constantly put myself in the place where I've never been? Mm. Yeah, interesting. So that, that blends in well to the next question, which is about doing consistent things. What do you think of morning routines? You were saying before that you don't like doing them at a fixed time and perhaps you don't like doing a fixed set of activities. Anything that you would comment on in terms of what you would do each day? Yeah. So I think when people talk about like productivity and for me very personally, um, I'll give you a short story about exactly like trying to be consistent, right? And trying to be optimized. I could barely do 10 push-ups. I'm like, I want to get to 20, right? I want to be able to do 20 push-ups at least, right? But someone's like, drop down and give me 20. I want to feel confident in my body. And so a friend of mine sent me those uh, like 30-day challenges that you see on Facebook or like Instagram right now. Um, and it starts out pretty easy where you do like five and then it goes to 10 and then it goes to 300. And you're like, wait, what? There's a, there's a, <laughs> there's a jump there that didn't seem... And, um, so I tried to do that and I failed miserably, right? As soon as it hit like past the number, like, I don't know, 30 or something like that, I just couldn't, couldn't keep up. And so like, and then I'm like, oh, this is so hard. So I tried again a couple months later. And this time I said, I'm just going to do one more than the day before. Cause like the scaling was wrong and I was able to do it. And I got to 200 pushups a day, right? Not in the same set, nice. but you know, throughout the whole day, my rule was just, I had to get 200 pushups done. And I stopped because like, I just didn't have enough time. And at the time I was uh, doing construction as well because my, my family were help, uh, building a house. Um, and why I stopped was not necessarily that there wasn't enough time is that I had gaps because I tried to be consistent every single day, like one more push up than the day before it had to be done. And you know, life happens and you're going to have gaps where you're traveling or things, you know, just come up. Uh, where you can't do it. And then I, was, I, I, so I couldn't get back on the bandwagon, right? I just like went off a peak and I couldn't do any more pushups to motivate myself. And then a couple years later, I came back to it. And I'm like, let me build in breaks. So I'm not going to break the mental promise I make to myself, right? And so I'm thankful that it's close to year three. And um, for me, the break was I have to only do it 80% of the year. And so I'm now on year three and I've hit that goal every single year. So that means 80% of the days out of the year, I've worked on my goal consistently, you know, guilt-free. That was another thing. I also track happiness. I have a spreadsheet that, you know, track a whole bunch of data. And so I was able to maintain productivity at 80% levels or higher, right? Um, I think last year was 87%, right? I'm trying to get it to 80 because 87% means I'm working harder than I should, right? Getting that balance. 
Um, but I was also able to triple my happiness from the year before 2020, which I, I guess a lot of people weren't that happy. <laughs> That's huge. Tripled your happiness. What were the, the key levers that you pulled? Yeah. Um, I think the, the big thing was building in the break, right? Understanding that we're not machines and we can't run at 100% efficiency. So the idea is that, um, no days off, you know, always be hustling those kind of mentalities. Um, people take it to the extreme and there are people that can succeed in that kind of like mentality and advice, right? We see them. They're like the serial entrepreneurs, the people that are just go getters. But for other types of entrepreneurs, it doesn't work like that. Um, a big thing I did is I moved to Hawaii. So, and we could get into like, uh, what resources I would recommend on why I moved to Hawaii, but it was basically, I did this exercise of where do I want to be at the, you know, the, when I achieved it all, right? I have all the success in the world. What do I, where do I want to see myself? And I saw myself on a tropical island, right? Everyone wants to be a tropical paradise, you know, live in the breeze. So, um, I had a hard look and I, I realized the only thing stopping me was myself because I was working remote. Everyone, you know, in the pandemic, a lot of people worked remote and I had enough money to, to live on a, a tropical island, right? Not be rich or, you know, relaxed 24 seven, but like I could do it. So that also really increased my happiness by realizing that I was the one blocking myself from happiness. Yeah, well, that's really inspiring to have jumped off that particular cliff and made the move. Was it, so you said 2020 you moved? Yeah, at the very end of 2020. Mm. Nice. One day. That sounds like a a lovely way to, to... a lovely place to work and i think joey has a, a question related to that yeah um, before i ask that question though um, i i didn't quite get where um where you moved from rafi oh yes the rochester new york the north cold i see Northeast. yeah yeah there's uh-huh. i'm Jeez, sure <laughs> I'd, I'd love to challenge you to draw similarities between hawaii and uh and rochester uh, similarities <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's, point out a lot of differences. <laughs> that's why that's why i say it was a challenge um, uh they're both near uh giant bodies of water they both have welcoming yet kind of people that slowly warm up to you, right? So Hawaii, because there's so much tourists, they're like, yeah, yeah, talk to me if you stay here for two years or more, right? I don't want to talk to people who are going to be gone next week. And the same thing for Rochester. It's kind of like the, you know, uh, the Northeast is known for like, they're slow to warm up, but they're like really uh, that's, good That's really interesting because I guess... Um... Not knowing a whole lot about Hawaii, I, I just imagine they they'll be they wouldn't be um, slow to warm up. That I I guess I I hear it's a very warm and welcoming um, place. But like what you're telling me makes a lot of sense as well. Like if if you're in a tourist if you're in a tourist spot, I guess like um, you wouldn't want to necessarily emotionally invest with everyone that's going to come through. You'll burn out pretty quickly, right? Yeah. And people are friendly, right? I mean, it's the, the, the whole economy is based on hospitality. So like, believe me, like everyone's really nice, but as far as like making like friendships and connections here. Yeah. That, that's, that's completely time. understandable. And, and well done, Rafi. That was a pretty tough challenge. I, I put you on the spot for, so I think you did very well. And, and here's another, here's another challenge. Uh, what do you do to optimize your productivity during your work hours? I guess, um, you were talking a little bit about your, um, your peaks and your troughs during the day. Are there particular things that you do to capitalize on the, on the peaks and to flatten out the troughs? Yeah. So I definitely allocate the, the, the work based on mental effort. So if I have to do a lot of like configuration or things that have to, really be like checked twice because it's going to affect, you know, hundreds of thousands of records 
um, I'm going to reserve that for very specific times that where I'm going to be most alert. And then for like the data cleanup things that I could just do, you know, mindlessly, basically, where I'm just doing repetitive tasks over and over again, I usually save for the times where I'm like, just kind of like drowsy end of day or right after lunch where I just don't have to use a lot of mental effort. So I definitely schedule it like that um, when possible, right? Obviously, you know, we have your deadlines or, you know, emergencies coming in the door. So yeah, that makes sense. Can vary. Uh, so you mentioned like a, a period of time where you're alert and a period of time to do like mundane tasks. Like I'm wondering, is there is there a period of time that you set aside for, I guess, more lateral thinking, creative type activities? I don't, but my mind is kind of wired differently. <laughs> So like I'm always in the mood for creativity and like kind of you know, combining ideas. Um, but for other people, there's a, a fascinating course that's free. It's one of those uh, massive online courses that I think Harvard teaches it uh, or a professor from Harvard and it's how to learn. Right. So like, Hey, this guy's a big nerd. And like, is that Barbara taking Oakley's? The course how to learn? Right. Um, is that Barbara Oakley's Barbara course? Um, I can't remember mm-hmm. what university she's at, but um, Barbara Oakley learning how to learn. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good one. Oh, sorry, I sorry be, to interrupt. Yeah. It could be. It's been a while. Yeah, that's great. No, that's awesome. So, um, in the in the course, they talk about two different uh, mental states, right? And I think they were talking, you know, uh, Albert Einstein and you know uh, Nikola Tesla. They um, they would wait. They each had their own methodology, but they would wait until they were dozing. Like one of them would like hold a book, and they would doze off, and then they would let the book fall, so they would wake up. So kind of like in that very like lucid state where they're awake but not dreaming and um when the in the course they were talking about the two modes where the way to think about it is like you have a pachinko machine or a pinball machine and when you are active and alert uh the pins are really close together and so if you put a a pinball there it would bounce like really fast and rapidly between them and that's your thoughts right so you're able to make very critical fast decisions in between these small things, but it's very hard to get the ball from here all the way over there because it has to go so much, you know, in between bouncing on the lot. But when you're in a lucid or like tired, like state, you, your uh, pins like spread out. So it's much easier for the ball to travel farther distances, which helps you create um, uh, more varied ideas because you can connect thoughts that are farther away um, in your mental schema. So schema is like how you map every connected thought in your brain, right? And so usually mornings or nights or whenever you're kind of like dozy, um, tend to yield, um, I guess more very, yeah, that makes sense. So it's, if I'm understanding you correctly, it's not a particular, uh, you don't necessarily set like a creative, uh, like hour aside. It's more, you think about a problem, you go away to do other things and trust that your diffuse mode network is like, making making the connections in the background and then when it comes time to sit down to it it's it's going to be um you're going to have made some progress is that is that the approach yeah some of the best problem solving i've done is by going to sleep yeah sleep is such a killer app isn't it yeah it's it's pretty awesome but like for people that you know and for me like i just love being creative so like i know that creativity is often triggered by having two different thoughts and combining them in a new way right so if I'm stuck on a problem, I'll go to something completely else. Again, this goes back to like why I love to juggle multiple ideas at a time where conventional productivity says to focus on one idea and get that done, right? If you want to be successful, you just have to work on that one thing until it's done and then move on to the next, right? 
And it's true for a majority of the studies that shows right. But when you're talking about like being creative and problem solving, you have to take from different disciplines, right? You know, I can't tell you how many times I've taken things from other departments or other methodology and applied it to my job, you know, whether it be like nursing or engineering. And I'm like, let me apply this to marketing and it's able to solve the problems that I'm working on. Could you give an example of where you've applied, say, something from nursing to marketing? I mean, a, a one common one that I pull from psychology is personality analysis. So like, how do you evaluate human behavior, right? And so there's a lot of like neuroscience around that. And oftentimes I'll be pulling that into, so like um, mental heuristics is the one. Not to get too into it is basically, you know, how do you build out the mental framework that your customer is thinking? And then I'll apply that to the marketing or to our learning and training department on how they build out the uh, onboarding for our product. Um, you know, or there's like other methods where like the checklist uh, techniques. So like a lot of hospitals, in order to save lives, they use checklists because they cannot get an error, right? <laughs> the life and death situations there. Um, so I'll use the same things for like workflows where you can't get an error because it'll mess up the entire database with hundreds of thousands of records. Um, so I kind of like just apply those different things depending oh, on yeah. what the project is. Yeah, that's one of my, there's a book by Atul Gawande, The Checklist Manifesto, where he talks about how checklists are used in the hospital context and how they're broadly applicable. Great to hear that you're able to use them. I've been using them for software development and found that it is very helpful for things like database migrations, similar to how you described it, that if you do one thing wrong, you could screw everything up and then it's really hard to get it back the way it was before. All right, so we've we've heard about how you... You optimize your productivity. How about in terms of switching off at night? We know you, you do the acro yoga as one of the things after work. How does it go from doing something relatively active where I don't really know acro yoga, but it sounds like you're having to lift someone above you or be lifted by someone else, which sounds quite stimulating. How do you then actually get to sleep after that? Yeah, that's uh, that's a toughie for me. So unfortunately, I only sleep uh, four and a half hours a night. Uh, not by choice. Uh, this is by birth. And so uh, switching off at night has always been tough. Uh, I will say I have tried a lot of different things. So like the most recent thing was a bracelet that would vibrate on different frequencies. And the idea there it would switch you from your sympathetic to your parasympathetic nervous system to make it easier to relax and fall asleep or whatever it is, right? Calm down. Um, so I tried that for a couple of months and it didn't seem to work for me. Um, but like the one before that, it was a sleeping mask that was attached to a, a cooler. So basically it was ice cold sleeping mask because they found that if you were able to cool the prefrontal cortex, that you not only would like be more refreshed or things like that, but you would be able to fall asleep faster and like everything, right? A lot of benefits. So I tried that and I think it was either the machine that I had bought or like, um, it was just way too cold for me. It felt like having an ice brick on my face, um, even at the warmest setting. Um, so I've tried a lot to, to fall asleep, but unfortunately, I, I, I can't do that well. Hmm. But it, it seems like you operate really well, even on four and a half hours of sleep. Well, thank you. you. I've had a, a lifetime to perfect that. Yeah. <laughs> and how about even prior to that, in terms of winding down say, the, the two hours before you, you would attempt to go to sleep? 
Yeah. So I, I've done a lot. So like, you know, no screen time, things like that. Right now I do have a lot of screen time, you know, even right when I'm on the, the bed, you know, I'm still on my phone, things like that. Um, I have, you know, tried to, to keep it, um, off and out of the way. I have thought about, uh, you know, different, different things, like all the best practices you would look at, like how to fall asleep. Well, I've tried at one point in my life. Um, but right now I'm, I'm barely doing any of them. <laughs> Seems like it, it's an example of just finding what's going to work for you and, and not keeping to attempting things that people say is going to work in general, recognizing that you're unique and you have to experiment to find out a method that's going to work. Cause I, you know, the, the vibrating bracelet, I think one of our friends was considering buying one and it was, it seems like an interesting idea, but maybe it works for certain people. And good to know that it doesn't work for everyone. Yeah, and I think the the same goes for productivity techniques. Because um, a lot of the studies focus on, like, how can we find what works for the most people, right? We don't want to find something that just works for one person. And I think um, one of the projects I would love to get once I have, like, amassed enough uh, of a following for productivity is basically a technique library, but more importantly, you would have a um, kind of like journal to say, hey, I tried this technique and it worked. You know, I tried the checklist technique, I tried the Pomodoro technique, I tried whatever it is, right? Time, time boxing, things like that. Um, and then I would be able to collect enough data to uh, basically give you a, a personality quiz that would tell you people who work or think like you have the most success with these three techniques or in these situations, right? Like the, um, I call it the five second rule or, or Mel Robbins came up with the five second rule, which is basically you have five seconds to, to, to follow your impulses to get up and do whatever the task is. And after that, your brain kind of pulls the emergency break and it's really hard to get up the motivation. Um, if Mel Robbins had a, a great TED talk about it. Um, that works really well when you're trying to jump off a cliff into like water, right? Cliff jumping. It doesn't work well when you have an hour of taxes ahead of you, right? For that, the Pomodoro technique tends to work better, right? You're like, I just need to do 20 minutes and then I will have a break at the end, right? And then like blocking it off like that, you feel better because it's less intimidating and it's also just easier to get started because you're like, I only have 20 minutes and I can do it. Mm, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So it would be based on the type of work that you have in front of you as well as the way that you think. Let me know when that technique library is ready. I think I, I would benefit from it as well. Yeah, certainly. We're always looking for members. So there's a, just an email like sign up list. And, um, once I, once I built out the, the framework enough, I'll have people be able to like write the journals or things like that. Right. There's always hmm. technical backend stuff to, to get it working. Cool. We've heard about a few resources. Um, Joey, do you want to ask a bit more about other? books and philosophies and things like that yeah yeah and this time i'll try not to interrupt you while you're while you're talking about learning how to learn i'm sorry i got really excited because um i love that course but um yeah we talked a little bit about learning how to learn before are there any other um books philosophies or apps that you find really uh, helpful in productivity and habit formation yeah um i think a lot of advice that you see nowadays uh, talking about like people that want to be productive and, you know, uh, entrepreneurs or side hustles or things like that. They kind of just focus on like being on 
all the time or following very strict routines. And for me, I'm taking more of organic approach of like, yeah, the blocks are there, but you could rearrange the blocks, whatever you want, right? Have that, you know, flexibility for the gaps. So one of the biggest books that uh, impacted my life, um, and he also has a TED talk, is The Happiness Advantage by Sean Anker. So if you're familiar with him, um, and the, the, the one paragraph, you know, cause there's, there's always things that you could read a million times and then at the right moment in your life, you're like, oh my God, this changed my life. Even though you read it a hundred times or your friends have told you a hundred times, right? Cause I often think that the monumental advice that changes your life, you've heard hundreds of times before, you just ignored it up to that moment, right? Um, so in his book, he had this analogy. He said, we used to think that the sun revolves around the earth. And then we, we found out that we're grossly wrong. And today, we are just finding out our same mistake when it comes to happiness and success. We still today think that in order to be happy, I have to be successful. And it's actually the opposite, which is true. Mm. Yeah, I love that book as well. Because he was basing it off his work at Harvard, wasn't he? Looking at students and there's this mindset that in order to, to do well at Harvard, you have to just study really hard and not socialize. And he found that that was actually not the case, that the students that socialized more and, and made time for things that actually energized them, they ended up doing better as well as being happier. And that it was a positive yeah. relationship. I found that also quite pivotal. And it sounds like you've been living that with the way that you've been tracking your happiness and moving to Hawaii. Do you reckon has that made a big difference to your productivity as well, making that shift? Yeah, well, I will say this. Before, like the year before, so in 2020 when I started the 80% rule, right? Because before that I was trying to do like the 200 push-ups every single day, right? Um, and it, by the way, that's all the same checklist technique, right? Where you have something that if you get it done, you check off a list, right? That's the only technique I'm using. So when I read that book, it, it kind of like changed my whole philosophy because up until then, I'm like, I just have to get the work done, right? And I was miserable because I was just for, you know, I would immediately finish after my day job. I would take, eat, you know, shove food in my face and then go back and work on my ideas. Because I thought, like, as soon as I get super successful with my ideas, you know, completely passive income, then I could enjoy life. And I would tell my friends, no, I'm too busy. You know, I don't want to go outside. I would just focus, focus, focus. And it was hell because, like, I, I kept um, procrastinating because I was just drained of all energy and then trying to force myself to work again. Um, so, yes, it's it's been pretty incredible. I will say this just because I know that my goal is 80%. Whenever I start going way beyond that, I feel myself getting the old habits of just work, 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 work. That's when I like literally stop myself from being productive because I realize that I can easily hit my goal of being 80% productive and be really happy and like socialize and have all that fun. Just like the Harvard students could get, you know, straight A's, not by studying all the time, but by going out and partying. Yeah, I love that message. I think I need to adopt that in my life as well. Oh, Rafi, it's been a pleasure having you on on the podcast. Are there any final words you'd like to share with our audience? Yeah, and that would be to take small steps because um, that's also one of the most monumental things because I used to say, hey, I need to do this big task. I need to do these big goals, you know, millions of dollars, all this stuff. And it wasn't until I changed my goals to something I could achieve within 10 minutes every single day that I started making serious progress. 
And it doesn't matter if I was walking backwards, forward, side to side, didn't matter. As long as I took a step, I considered that a success. And not only for my mood and happiness, but also like the actual projects that I was able to complete changed dramatically by reducing the size of the tasks that I tried to accomplish. Wonderful. And we'll wrap the show with that. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Focus and Chill podcast. To listen to other episodes, jump onto podcast.focusbear.io. If you'd like to be a guest on the show or you know someone who'd be a good fit, email us at team at focusbear.io. Otherwise, stay focused, stay chilled and peace out.